I'm Mike, and you are listening to the Hardtack Military History Podcast. Hardtack is a military history podcast and contains mature themes, content, and some crude language. Listener discretion is advised. The opinions and analysis expressed are that of the producer. Now, put on your Kevlar, secure your lickies and chewies, and prepare to take cover for this episode of Hardtack. A few bullet points, and then we will step back in time and visit feudal Japan. Check out the Hardtack socials found via Linktree in the episode description, or by searching Hardtack on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can also visit the website and leave a comment at hardtackpod.com. Don't forget to drop a review on whichever platform you use to consume your Hardtack, and please hit that subscribe button. Your ratings and reviews help expose the show to more listeners. If you are interested in contributing to Hardtack's production, check out the Hardtack Patreon. Just search Hardtack Podcast. Alternatively, you can contribute through our host site, Anchor.fm. Also, a huge shout out to you, the listeners. Hardtack reached the 2000 download milestone with episode 27's release, and I'm absolutely astounded at the support you have all shown. Sincerely, thank you. I see you listening from the UK, from Canada, from Australia, from Ghana, from New Zealand, from Ukraine, all over the world. You guys are the best. The Sengoku period, or Warring States Era, of Japan began in 1467 with the Onin War. Feudal Japan was characterized by violence between warring states, where kinsmen cut each other down in bids for territorial superiority. Independent warlords among the domains unleashed their samurai in fighting men on each other and anarchic attempts to gain dominance. Rivalries ebbed and flowed, alliances formed and were shattered. Allegiance among warlords were only to self. Cooperation existed only when it benefited the warlords. For the peasant class, life was hell, which resulted in regular instances of iki, or peasant class uprisings. Power began to consolidate in the mid-16th century, when a group of warlords had singled themselves out as primary dominators in their regions, having bested their rivals. These great power warlords boasted superior militant groups, greater territorial expansion and resources, and grew their base through the exploitation of their weaker neighbors. But when great powers exist, great conflict arises. From the conflicts of these superior warlords came the unification campaigns of Sengoku Japan. Oda Nobunaga, Toyotomi Hideyoshi, and Tokugawa Ieyasu were the three great warlords at the center of Japan's unification. Nobunaga died in 1582 before Japan could be truly unified, and the rogue warlords brought to heel. His successor Hideyoshi accomplished unification in 1590. The resistance had not been entirely eradicated. It was Tokugawa Ieyasu, after Hideyoshi's death in 1598, that made Japan whole in 1600 after the Battle of Sekigahara, a battle which brought about Japan's final shogunate, and in which this episode's subject participated at the age of only 16. Miyamoto Musashi, born Miyamoto Benosuke, 
met with difficulty at a young age and some details of the legendary swordsman remain unclear. However, one defining theme is evident even in his earliest years, that Miyamoto's life was to be one characterized by violence. Miyamoto was born in 1584 to his father Hirata Munisai and his mother Yoshiko. Although the village of Miyamoto continues to assert that his real mother was Omasa, Munisai's first wife. The reason for the dispute is rather simple. The village of Miyamoto wants the status of being the legend's place of birth. You see, Yoshiko's hometown was that of Harima. Omasa's was Miyamoto. I settled the issue personally by trusting the man himself. Miyamoto wrote in his Gorin no Sho, The Book of Five Rings, quote, I am a warrior born in Harima, end quote. For all intents and purposes, this podcast will refer to Harima as the place of Miyamoto's birth. Regardless of the exact location, Miyamoto was born during a time of transition in Japanese history, an overall more peaceful era, to put it loosely, compared to the decades preceding his birth. It was between the Sengoku and Edo period that Japan moved towards unification, as we have already mentioned. Miyamoto and his father had a tumultuous relationship, with recorded histories such as the Tanba Hokin Hiki, relating stories of Munisai throwing a dagger and a short sword at his son after having been criticized by Miyamoto on his jite fighting techniques. The Tanba Hokin Hiki was a biography of Miyamoto, written by Menehira Tachibana. Miyamoto is said to have fled from his father's home never to return, finding shelter in the home of his uncle, Dorinbo, who was a priest. The artistry, beyond what is seen in his martial art, that manifested in Miyamoto's later years, began at this early age, when he began education in the arts of calligraphy, painting, and studies in Confucianism and Buddhism. While the violent life of Miyamoto Musashi was just beginning, having already won his first duel at just 13 years of age, the sunset of feudal Japan was on the horizon. After the Battle of Sekigahara, Japan entered into the Edo period. Edo Japan was characterized as a relatively peaceful time that spanned the 265-year reign of Japan's final shogunate, or Bakufu, the Tokugawa shogunate. This late shogunate lasted from 1603 until 1868. The culmination of societal and political ideology during the Sengoku period came to a head, resulting in the seven short hours fought at the Battle of Sekigahara on the 21st of October 1600 between East and West Japan. The years prior to, and the outcome of the Battle of Sekigahara set the course for the duration of Miyamoto Musashi's life, both in battle and in his artistry. Miyamoto Musashi was a legend in his own time, further impacting future generations of warriors, military theorists, and leaders through the Book of Five Rings. His treatise, which gives argument to the idea that technological advancements or limitations, social latitudes and constraints, and broader schools of military thought are of no great consequence to the potential of a martial artist, and further dictates that true mastery of the martial arts is a timeless, multifaceted pursuit acquired through superior self-awareness, discipline, and mental and spiritual balance. There is only so much about Miyamoto's life that we know, and many of the sources are in an older form of Japanese and have not been translated into English. I hope one day to have the opportunity to do some of that translating myself. Until then, we can learn much more about this man through his book, 
and his writing, we can grasp an idea of who he was by delving into his mind. Miyamoto Musashi was an accomplished calligraphist, a painter, and a writer, but most of all he was an unparalleled swordsman, albeit an eccentric and very unorthodox individual, at least by Japanese standards. Miyamoto's most acclaimed written work, The Book of Five Rings, gives the impression of a critical, disciplined, and professional master of the martial arts. His writing paints the picture of a man to be held in high esteem, of unquestionable confidence, of calculated reasoning, balanced in both mind and spirit. A respected artist in Japan even today, Miyamoto rendered a self-portrait which depicts him in traditional attire, displaying his two heavens, or two swords, style of swordsmanship, wielding both a katana and a wakizashi, an unorthodox and atypical fighting style during his lifetime. In the words of William Scott Wilson, the treatise, quote, analyzes the process of struggle and mastery over conflict that underlies every level of human interaction, end quote. His style was first recorded in 1641, after Lord Hosokawa Taratoshi, a daimyo of the Hosokawa clan in the province of Kumamoto, requested that Miyamoto write down his fighting style, resulting in the 35 articles of the martial arts. This written record of his style later served as the outline for what became the Book of Five Rings. The clarity of Miyamoto's mind and absolute mastery he had over his style is best exemplified in the treatise. Amazingly, Miyamoto wrote it in its entirety over the course of a single day. The book already existed in his mind. Each chapter of his treatise, and there are five chapters in total, all come to conclusion with the date and his chosen name at the time of writing. Quote, Twelfth day of the fifth month, second year of Shoho, Shinmin Musashi. End quote. Over the course of two years, between 1643 and 1645, the legendary swordsman meditated on what he referred to as the true way, and focused his attentions on the arts of poetry, tea, painting, and sculpture, all the while living in the isolation of a cave on Mount Iwato on the island of Kyushu. Miyamoto Musashi wrote the Book of Five Rings with one purpose in mind, to pass on what he considered to be a handbook to his disciple, Lord Hosokawa Toratoshi. It was a handbook intended to teach his follower the true way. He believed that through the mastery of his martial art, a true mastery of all other arts could be attained. Only then was a warrior to fully grasp and embody the true way. Now the work differs greatly from other military treatises and ideas proposed by theorists and that it was not written to advise commanders on the preparation and mobilization of large forces. It does not detail such elements in warfare as weather, terrain, and movement in and out of enemy territory, nor does it discuss politics and diplomacy. Rather, it was written to outline his experiences and teachings during his life. The writings of Miyamoto were each one written for a specific individual. The five chapters of the Book of Five Rings call upon the Buddhist theory of the five elements. Although Miyamoto claimed, quote, and writing the book, I am not borrowing the ancient words of Buddhism, end quote. Each chapter begins with a short explanation for his use of each element in relation to his way regarding the martial arts. Miyamoto likened earth to the way of his own martial art, water for its fluidity in his comparison to the pragmatism in his two swords or two heavens fighting style. Fire represented the intensity of battle, and wind represented the other schools of strategy or ways of martial arts. His final chapter, Emptiness, is all that remains known and unknown. With the text being written specifically for one individual, specific portions of the manuscript appear to be lacking in detail, 
However, a deeper meaning is indicated and likely was not lost on the intended audience. Whether or not he perceived that his writings would one day become a public distribution is unknown, though I imagine he would be quite surprised. However, the applicability of his writings, beyond his intended reader, is artfully enabled through his writing style alone. Miyamoto himself claims within the Earth chapter of his treatise to have never received formal training in any art, martial or otherwise. Maintaining the integrity of his beliefs within his writing to Lord Hosokawa, Miyamoto explains the psychology and mindset of his way, without demanding that strict details of style be adhered to, emphasizing that the true way is found through careful study and meditation. Supporting his belief in self-study and individual truth, Miyamoto uses the phrase, you should investigate this thoroughly, 37 times throughout his treatise, ending his writing in the emptiness chapter with a bold and final admonition. Miyamoto wrote, quote, Know this state of mind, and take as fundamental that which is straight. Conceive of the way with a sincere mind. Practice strategy broadly. Think on a large scale with accuracy and clarity. Think of void as the way, and see the way as void. End quote. While giving instruction and guidance in the true way, Miyamoto understood the importance of self-discovery and the individual realization and attainment of truth. Perhaps the Book of Five Rings appeals to me as an individual working in the mental health realm, but there is a great amount of room for self-actualization and mindfulness in Miyamoto's way that I think any reader could find wisdom in. The importance of art and nature in Japanese culture has held a place of prominence since antiquity. While mastery in art and nature is not typically viewed as necessary in the areas of military thought and doctrine, Miyamoto Musashi held firmly to the belief that the subjects were not only linked, but heavily influenced by and reliant upon one another in the effectiveness of a warrior. Miyamoto acknowledged in his writings the usefulness of technology beyond the sword, citing the advantages and limitations of firearms and the bow. Yet in the area of technology, he believed that the effectiveness of a weapon was dependent upon the discipline of its wielder. In the Earth chapter of the Book of Five Rings, the advantage of using a firearm is put forth as ideal when used from inside a castle, that being a position of advantage in both strategic positioning and defense. Shortly to follow, it is noted that the disadvantage of the firearm is seen once in the thick of battle due to load time, close quarters combat, and the human eye's inability to track a moving bullet. Miyamoto does not discount the benefit of such technology, rather places emphasis on understanding the limitations of a weapon based on logistics and the abilities of the wielder. The truth of his way is arrived at through the experience of his duels during life. Perhaps the most famous duel fought by Miyamoto provides evidence of three factors in the swordsman's life. His eccentricity, his understanding of psychological impact on an opponent in the martial arts, and his belief that the mastery of a weapon first comes from the mastery of one's own mind. Arrangements had been made for a duel between Miyamoto and Sasaki Kojiro, master of arms to Lord Hosokawa Taraoki, and a skilled fighter of the Kosetsu style, using a nodachi, or a longsword. The duel was arranged by Lord Hosokawa, and took place on a remote island, known at the time as Mukujima. Sasaki had a school, Ganryu, and was well known in the area, prompting Lord Hosokawa to choose a remote location, to prevent any violent retaliation against Miyamoto, should Sasaki fail to be victorious. His decision proved wise. The duel had been scheduled for 8 o'clock in the morning in April of 1612. However, Miyamoto would arrive nearly three hours late after the 10 o'clock hour. It is written that Miyamoto slept in, washed himself, had breakfast, 
and carved a wooden boat oar into a sword. Further exhibiting odd behavior, Miyamoto is documented as having dressed himself in a silk kimono, then, using a towel, fashioned himself a headband. Upon arrival, Sasaki stormed into the shallows, angry and shouting. Then, throwing his scabbard of his sword into the water, Miyamoto is said to have replied with a statement that would push Sasaki over the edge. Quote, Kojiro, you are lost. For if you expected to be the winner, why would you throw your scabbard in the water? End quote. The psychological warfare so effortlessly employed had taken hold of Miyamoto's opponent. Sasaki charged Miyamoto in an enraged attempt to strike him down, only to miss. Miyamoto's wooden oar made sword connected with Sasaki's head and killed him instantly. This duel brought out the eccentricity of Miyamoto's character and served to highlight the truth in his way, that the mastery of mental discipline creates advantage over an enemy, regardless of perceived technological disadvantage. Great credit is due to Miyamoto and his succinct and disciplined contributions to military philosophy. Yet, it is equally important to understand the influence, should any exist, of society on his way. By all accounts, Miyamoto appeared to avoid conforming to the societal norms of his time, having a reputation as an unkempt, often unbathed warrior, who slept in the wilderness and had little possessions to his name. However, his lifestyle was not altogether uncommon. With the declaration of the Tokugawa Shogunate in 1603 came new laws and edicts governing the conduct of individuals within military households. In 1615, the edicts of the Tokugawa Shogunate, Laws of Military Households, or Buke Shohato, was formally released and enforced. Within this code of conduct were specific edicts that paralleled the conduct of Miyamoto and provide some evidence that his way was in fact influenced by traditional rules that govern samurai. Within the Buke Shohato lies an excerpt that states, quote, The study of literature and the practice of the military arts, including archer and horsemanship, must be cultivated diligently. End quote. Miyamoto was of similar mindset, and although the horsemanship and archery were not skills that brought him any level of notoriety, he emphasized both the importance of practicing the arts, such as painting and writing, as well as the importance of being skillful with multiple weapon types. A further excerpt from this document states, quote, the samurai of all domains must practice frugality. When the rich proudly display their wealth, the poor are ashamed of not being on par with them. End quote. Miyamoto was a ronin, meaning that he was a samurai without allegiance to any daimyo, and this law was not specific to him. However, he did conduct himself in accordance with some of the edicts of this law. A swordsman of his stature and critical acclaim would have been sought after, and yet Miyamoto chose to live a frugal life free of possessions of minimal coin, and without any property. The issue of payment, or the selling of one's skill set, is addressed in the Book of Five Rings. Miyamoto wrote, quote, When you look at the world, the various arts have been tailored to be items for sale. This mentality divides the flower and fruit into two, and makes much less of the fruit than the flower. End quote. Miyamoto proposed in his writings that people went through life in four ways. The way of the warrior, farmer, artisan, and merchant. Then, he chose to describe the martial arts as the way of the carpenter or artisan. Looking to the written Japanese language, the kanji, or Chinese characters for carpenter, also meant great skill, which the swordsman likened to the way of the martial arts. Miyamoto Musashi and his way shared parallels with the societal norms of the day. However, he lived on the fringes of society, conducting himself in accordance with his own way. He was further renowned during his lifetime for his unique two-sword style and his dueling record, having never been defeated. His writings, The Book of Five Rings and Dokodo, were written towards the end of his life and written with the intent of passing down his unique style to his disciple.
He wouldn't be mentioned as great theorists or notable histories until well after his death, with minor details of his life surfacing in the Nitenki and the Tanbahokin Hiki. His fame and renown within Japanese society would not reach a critical level until the publicizing of Musashi, a historical fiction written by Yoshikawa Aiji, released in 1935. The novel is dramatically fictional, detailing his participation in the Battle of Sekigahara, imprisonment by a Zen monk, and goes so far as to introduce a love interest. This fictional text focuses on the mythical figure of Miyamoto Musashi and the legends surrounding him. However, it did serve to spark a sense of interest in national pride in the legendary swordsman. His writings were not mentioned, nor were they greatly studied, by theorists that would follow such as Clausewitz, Doet, Jomini, or Corbett, largely due to the focus of his theories and practices. Miyamoto had little to offer in his few written manuscripts regarding theory and doctrine pertaining to large-scale battles or troop movement. The legacy and teachings of this warrior have lived on and are widely studied among his martial artists throughout the world. Unlike the majority of military theorists throughout history, Miyamoto spoke to the importance of developing the mind and the spirit, and doing so through honing skills beyond the militant lifestyle. Similar to his influence on future military theory, Miyamoto's contributions to future warfighting following his era is limited with the greatest impact evident on a cultural and individual level. Miyamoto is not greatly studied outside of a historical or personal context. However, his lessons and writings can be effectively applied in honing leadership skills. Through Miyamoto's way, the traits of awareness or attention to detail, discipline, and mental and spiritual balance can be strengthened and refined. Throughout the chapters of the Book of Five Rings, Miyamoto encourages the reader to continuously and thoroughly investigate his teachings, although on a more personal level meditating on his theories to find truth within and master one's own mind. Although his theories are not often directly referred to and credit is not given to his writings, there are truths in his manuscript that appear to be universal and can be found within the doctrine and theories of modern militaries. In the United States Army today, there exists an acronym that serves to provide accurate intelligence in the area of operations within urban environments. That acronym is METTC, or M-E-T-T-T-C. METTC represents the variables of mission, enemy, terrain and weather, troops and support available, time available, and civilian considerations, providing the most basic yet crucial knowledge to promote and increase the chances of operational success. Within the fire chapter of the Book of Five Rings, Miyamoto describes a section he titled Knowing Conditions. The first few lines of this section bear undeniable similarities to the modern United States Army model of METTC. Miyamoto described knowing conditions as, quote, and the main current of the martial arts Knowing conditions means knowing where your opponents flourish or fall, knowing the number of their allies, taking in the lay of the land, clearly observing your opponent's conditions and, according to the maneuvering of your own allies and these principles of the martial arts, grasping the way of victory with certainty, understanding the degree of initiative to be taken, and going into battle, end quote. Now, whether or not the writers of the current U.S. Army doctrine were aware of or influenced by Miyamoto's writings, the restatement of the core elements within this excerpt of this text, written 400 years prior, survives today as a universal truth in military theory and warfighting doctrine. The relevance of Miyamoto's lessons cannot be discussed without the mention of his emphasis on balance of the mind, a critical element for warriors today. A warrior of sound mind is focused, decisive, but not impulsively so, making choices based on sound judgment. In the water chapter of his treatise, Miyamoto describes the importance of nurturing the mind over the body proposing that the body will follow the mind accordingly. He warns, quote, In both everyday and military events, your mind should not change in the least, but should be broad and straightforward. 
neither drawn too tight nor allowed to slacken even a little, end quote. The great swordsman delivers a message of balance and consistency. These truths do not limit themselves with time or specificity and remain applicable on an individual level spanning centuries. The legendary warrior artist from Harima, Japan, experienced a life of violent conflict, competing in and coming out victorious in over 60 duels. And yet for all of the violence, Miyamoto Musashi was a man able to find balance and peace, mentally and spiritually, through mastery of the arts. His mastery and realization of the true way was not arrived at expeditiously or with any ease. Rather, Miyamoto Musashi arrived at these truths after facing early familial conflict, fighting in and surviving feudal war on a grand scale in the Battle of Sekigahara, and cutting down all of those that chose to oppose him in the years that would follow, challenging himself physically through regularly facing the prospect of death in his martial art, and mentally refining himself through tedious artistry and meditation. Miyamoto created a weapon not just out of his body, but out of his mind. A legend in his own time, Miyamoto has had a lasting impact on future generations of warriors through his universal truths made plain in the Book of Five Rings. His treatise, which remains unperturbed by the limitations of social and technological change, fails to be displaced by broader schools of military thought and maintains indisputable evidence that true mastery of the martial arts is a timeless, multifaceted pursuit acquired through superior awareness, discipline, and mental and spiritual balance. That is it for Heart Attack Episode 28, The Legend of Miyamoto Musashi. Most know Sun Tzu's The Art of War, or Klaus On War, but Miyamoto Musashi's The Book of Five Rings deserves its place on the shelf. You can walk into most U.S. military clothing sales shops on post and find a copy of it tucked away. I've seen it at most major booksellers as well. I think much of his treatise's lack of popularity stems from its focus on the individual, on self. For some, self-reflection or examination can be terrifying. If you have ever lived alone for any extended amount of time, you likely know that the hardest person to face can be yourself. Miyamoto knew this, and it is this lesson that his work teaches. For those interested in purchasing the Book of Five Rings, I will leave a link in the episode description. Our next episode, episode 29, is going to take us back to August of last year as a sort of two-part to Hardtack episode 2, Night of the Long Knives. Join me as we wade through the infamous Night of Broken Glass, or Kristallnacht, a two-day Nazi wave of anti-Semitic violence that took place in November 1938. After episode 29, things may become a bit irregular, listeners, though I will do my best to release episodes bi-weekly. I begin Drill Sergeant Academy on April 5th, and that will extend to the first week of June. As you can imagine, my time, mental capacity, and physical endurance will be largely determined by the training regimen. I'll do my best to deliver you regular content. Hopefully this gives you some insight into why I chose this episode for episode 28. It's very applicable to my current real-life situation. Please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe on whichever platform you use to consume your hard tack. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And remember to keep your hard tack dry.